This reading is from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Well, let me say a proper good evening and uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, for those who are visitors who are wondering, I'm not just Andy's glamorous assistant here with the baptism, not even that. Uh, I'm, my name's Jonathan G. I'm the vicar of the church, and it is a joy to be uh, preaching to you this evening and celebrating the baptisms. Can we just give a very big hand to our brilliant gospel choir? There's a, the fantastic. And included in that, the other musicians who are lurking behind them, not quite so brightly, brightly dressed, but uh, fantastic. Um, let me just explain this. If you've been here for the last few weeks, you'll know that I've had a touch of vertigo. So this is just to give me a firm foundation if I need it this week. Um, in fact, I think I'm fine, but um, I'd rather go this way <laughs> than that way. So we're, we're serious. So it is our 150th year just starting. Uh, As has been said, for those of you who are visitors here, um, our foundation stone, which if you want to see it, is just outside of the door, just out there, was laid on Ascension Day, 1873. And then the first service was Ascension Day, 1874. So this time, this is kind of a dummy run this weekend for next year when we really celebrate our 150th. It's been a wonderful weekend. And Anna read to us the story of that first Ascension Day. I'm going to speak about a few things to do with our foundations, but let's pray that God will speak to each one of us. Lord God, our Father, we praise you that you are a God who speaks. You've spoken supremely in Jesus. Thank you that you've spoken to each of those candidates who are baptized tonight. We pray that you will speak to each one of us here in this building. Uh, those who've been Christians for many years and those who are here wondering if all this is true. Come and speak to each one of us. Uh, Take my words, we pray, 
supremely take the words of Scripture. But will you speak to each one? And we ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've called this whole weekend Firm Foundations because it's the 150th anniversary of our foundation stone. And I've got three foundations uh, that are part of our foundation. Jesus is the foundation, but three aspects to uh, Jesus' work among us. And these three, uh, we, will have sim- we have symbols for these three. They're on the wall just outside as well. We'll put them up all three briefly. First of all, we have a cross there. Then a little further along the wall, we have a Bible. And a little bit further along the wall, we have a dove symbolizing the Holy Spirit. I said this morning these were put up in during Norman Warren's time as vicar. Apparently that was wrong. It was during Andrew Dow's time as vicar. But sort of 40 years ago or so, those three... Put. So if you really want to do your homework afterwards, you can see the foundation stone and all three symbols just out there afterwards. And I'm going to use those as the three parts to this talk. So first of all, let's put the cross up there. Uh, Anna read to us the first few verses from Acts. Acts is the second part of a two-volume work by Luke. Luke, who wrote Luke's Gospel, that tells us about Jesus' life and ministry here, finishing with the cross and the resurrection. And then Acts is Luke, volume 2. He wrote volume 1 to someone called Theophilus, who may have been a real person, means God-lover, or he may have just been generally for God-lover, any God-lover, whether that's you or me or anybody else who loves God, to know the truth of these things. And he starts like this. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. So that was the first thing. And the the supreme bit of that was the cross. Uh, The Gospels are not normal biographies. They're really, you know, a third at least of the Gospels is all to do with Jesus' last week of his life. Normal biography, you have all the early years and, uh, and then just a bit of a postscript about how people died. But for Jesus, the key thing was his death on the cross. Now, it's been alluded to already that the water of baptism symbolizes being washed clean from all that's wrong inside us. We know there's so much that's wrong with our world that's broken. And in the prayers, Lydia referred to that of helping us cope with different bits of news as well as praying for the parts of the world where terrible things are happening. But the scriptures teach us that God made us in his image and that every one of us has gone our own way. There's a jargon word for that, sin. It's a word with I at the middle. I remember when I was little in the Sunday school learning that S-I-N with I in the middle. It's all about putting me first rather than God first. And when we put ourselves first, things start going wrong. We're made to live for God first. Uh, And when that happens, everything begins to fall into place much better. But the result of our sin is not only that we're spoilt inwardly, but that our relationship with God is spoiled. And on the cross, and uh, I'm not going to preach a whole sermon about the cross, just one of three aspects to tonight. Jesus paid the price for all our sin. He took an eternity of sin on himself, being God in very form. Somehow he could carry the weight of sin of the whole world in a way that none of us could. And he died there in our place for our sins. And that's how we know that our sins are forgiven and that the water of baptism is is a picture, just like we're washed clean on the outside by a bath or a shower, we're washed clean on the inside by what Jesus did. 
Now, our symbol here is an empty cross. Sometimes you get a crucifix, the symbol of a cross with Jesus on it, but Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again. And the empty cross is a symbol both of his death on the cross and of his resurrection from the dead. He had taught his disciples that he would be killed for sins and that he would rise again, and they had not begun to understand it. But when he did rise again, we read that he began to teach them, and they began to understand it. And so our crosses in this church are all empty crosses. The big one on the wall there, uh, the one on the wall outside, it reminds us that Jesus paid the price for our sins. It reminds us that he rose again and is alive and can be known. And it is foundational to our Christian life. It's foundational because we need to know we're forgiven. But it's also foundational because Jesus walked the way of the cross. And he invites you and me, as we follow him, to walk that way too. To die to ourselves in the sense of not putting ourselves central. And to live for him and for others. And the extraordinary thing is that the more we do that, the more we find the joy that comes. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home, and I knew this to be true of myself, for myself in my early years. But in my teenage years, I was drawn away uh, and torn two ways between the way of Jesus and the way of the world, and it was pretty miserable. And when I was a student, some wise older Christian said, Jonathan, you've got a new start. Why don't you bow your knee to Jesus as Lord? And that, that felt like the word of the Lord to me, and I did that, expecting it just to be hard. But in choosing to say no to me and yes to God, yes to Jesus in his way, I was blown away by the joy that came in. And we've seen that on the faces of the four who were baptized or renewed their vows this evening. We saw it for nine this morning. Uh, there is this tremendous joy in putting Jesus first and going his way rather than our way. But it doesn't feel like it'll be joyful. It feels like it'll be costly because it is often the way of the cross. So that's the first one. I'll move on. So I'm not preaching here all night because I said we've got three symbols. That's the first one. The second one is the scriptures, the truth of the Bible. Now, various people have said, it's a shame that old Bible's sort of a bit rusty and falling apart out there. Wouldn't it be nice to have a new one? To which I always say, if your Bible is well used, that's a good sign. It means you've been reading it. Pristine Bibles don't do anybody any good. They just sit on shelf. The idea is that the Bible is read and used. So here's an image of a used Bible. There's an old song, if the Bible's well used, the devil's not amused, was the, was the song. But the point is it's meant to be read, and we're, it's the truth of God, and we're just taking Having said that, I said this morning, it would be brilliant if we could have that patched up or improved for 150 next year. So I threw that as a challenge to Paul. For, for, he's got a year to sort that out for us. And if he doesn't, it's fine. <laughs> now, Jesus um, carries on teaching. Luke says that was what he began to do. In these 40 days after Easter, we read, he taught his disciples and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. We can imagine just how many questions they would have had. But Jesus gives us not just those 40 days. Uh, he has given us this word, the Bible. Uh, amazing that the Son of God submitted himself to the Old Testament. If there was a controversy, you'd expect him to say, yes, I know they thought that, but now I'm here and I'm God, I'll tell you what. But actually he said, what, what does the Old Testament teach? Well, that settles it. And then he helped them understand it more deeply. 
And then he gave his provision to his apostles to teach the truth. He said the Spirit would come and lead them into all truth. And so in the early years of the church, there were lots of writings about Jesus. They're trying to work out which can we really trust. And the ones that came from the apostles went in, or the apostolic group, went into the scriptures as we have them. So Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, Mark, who was Peter's nephew, who wrote down what all of, all of Peter's memories. Luke traveled around with Paul as one of his companions. Paul was the extra apostle that Jesus appeared to. So what Luke did, wrote down, having traveled around with Paul, came from that same group. John, one of the disciples. And what they wrote was seen to be from Jesus' apostles who he gave his authority to. Now, I can't prove to you that that is the word of God. It, we take it on trust, but we trust it because we trust Jesus. And in this church, uh, we are determined that this is the word of the Lord. When it was read uh, just a little while ago, Anna said, this is the word of the Lord, and we said, thanks be to God. That is what we believe. That is what historic churches or churches throughout the world for the last 2,000 years have believed. Uh, in the West today, people seem a little bit confused about this and the church is having a little wobble. But in this church, we stand firm on the Scriptures as the Word of God. They will not let you down. It's been, for me, um, 42 years since I went up as a student and bowed my knee to Jesus as Lord. And every day since then, bar the occasional one, I've meditated on this and read it. It has never let me down. And it won't, because it's the Word of God. I want to give an illustration to you. I haven't needed my bar stool yet. Um, about this vertigo. I got attacked with vertigo in the middle of holiday. I was in Italy. I sat up one morning, uh, and the whole room span. And I didn't know what was going on. I collapsed back on the bed. I thought, is it my blood pressure? Have I got an infection in my ears? What's going on? Uh, it turned out it was none of those things. I had a week of penicillin and it wasn't my blood pressure and the doctors checked I hadn't had a stroke or anything like that. It turned out to be a benign form of vertigo. If you want to know, BPPV. Benign, positional. It came as I sat up and changed my position or lay down. Uh, we all have some uh, calcium crystals in our ear and it seems that for some... And it happens quite often if you're older. So it tells me that I'm going to be 60 this year. So that's... Uh, some of them can detach and they get into the semicircular canal. I know some of you will be doing your GCSE biology or whatever, so you'll know about this. Gets into the semicircular canal of your ear, and then when you tilt your head, the crystal moves and your whole brain thinks the world is spinning. So it happened for a few seconds, when I was, but I learned to sit up slowly, and then when I was up, I was fine. Now, when we'd ruled out everything else, there is a manoeuvre you can do to get rid of this crystal out of your ear. Someone wonderful called Dr. Epley worked out how you can, if it's up here, you turn your head so the crystal comes down that way, then you turn your head again, then you turn your head again with the idea that the crystal comes out. Uh, so I did that on my bed with the help of my wife, and it felt like the whole world was spinning. I cried out, help me. And as far as she was concerned, I was just lying there on the bed. I didn't need any help. But it worked, amazingly. I got attacked with this vertigo again, we did the manoeuvre, and out it came. Now, why am I telling you that? Um, partly, it might be useful to some of you if it happens to you, and you know, <laughs> but that's not, that's, not really, that's not really the point. The point is that my whole foundation felt like it was spinning, and there was nothing solid. I didn't know where I was. 
Now, our spiritual foundation is based on truth. And when a lie gets into our head, that we believe, it messes completely with what we believe to the point we're not quite sure who to trust or what's true. The sort of lies we believe are that you're no good, that you'll never amount to anything, that God doesn't love you, that what you've done is so bad that it can't be forgiven, that God doesn't even notice you. Now, many of us believe those sorts of lies, and they get in a bit like that crystal in my ear that got in the wrong place. They get in through all sorts of ways, but we can deal with them. And we deal with it. There's a manoeuvre, not invented by Dr. Epley, but it involves repenting of the lie and choosing to believe the truth of the Scriptures. And if you've done that, you will know the difference it makes. So when you hear that lie of the evil one in Europe, you're no good. It, your whole sort of equilibrium spiritually spins around. You're looking for something that's solid that you can just rely on. The truth is, and the scriptures teach us and Jesus taught us, that God made you and he loves you. And when you choose to believe that, say, God, I'm so sorry I've believed the lie. This is what I choose to believe. It just gives you your rootedness great to hear. I think it was Suzanne's story, talking about trying all sorts of other things. I've had enough of that. I'm now going on what God says and the truth of his word. So that's our second foundation. It's the scriptures. And they help us nail the lies that come, that mess with our spiritual equilibrium. Just like those calcium crystals had messed with my, my perception of what was up and what was down. Uh, you need to get rid of them. And we need to get rid of the lies. And in this church, we're committed to teaching the truth of the Scriptures week by week. So that's the second foundation. Third foundation uh, is this, this dove represents the Holy Spirit. At Jesus' baptism, we read that the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And he heard God the Father saying to him, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And the first thing the Holy Spirit, well, the first thing the Holy Spirit often does to us is convince us that Yes, we have got things wrong, and we do need to be forgiven. And we come, and we're forgiven and washed clean, and the Holy Spirit assures us of the love of the Father for us. And for some, that will be the most important thing that we pray tonight. You might want to pray, Lord, if that's true, that you love me better than any human parent has ever loved their children, I want to know. But then the Holy Spirit, when we're adopted into God's family, has work for us to do for him. We're part of the family business, if you like. The church is a big family business, and Jesus has given us a job to do. Uh, we are to witness to him, to the whole world. And we can't do that in our own strength. Let me read to you a bit more from this passage in Acts. The disciples said to uh, Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so they did. They went back to Jerusalem and waited, as he would told them. And the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. We'll be celebrating that next Sunday. Uh, and he transformed them. Peter, who had denied Jesus, to servant girls, suddenly could preach 
fearlessly. Peter and John could be arrested and flogged and they carried on preaching Jesus. They were transformed. And they preached Jesus there in Jerusalem. And then the Holy Spirit pushed them out to Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth to the point where the word came to us uh, in this country 1,500 years ago, whatever it was or more. And here in this place 150 years ago. There were churches all around us much longer ago than that. Lillington and Cubbington and Warwick and Whitnash and Bishop's Tatchworth. They've had churches for about a thousand years or more when Leamington was just a tiny little farm by a river. But as Leamington grew, so churches grew. And 150 years ago, our mother church, St. Mary's, down towards Sydenham, there, down towards Asda, they wanted to build a church for the people who lived here. And so they had the vision to do that. Now, God in our day has given us vision to reach the people in our community, our area, with the good news of Jesus. And we'll need to do it in new ways. We're not going to do it by building massive, big churches. There's enough of those, and plenty of people decided they're not coming into them. We need to do new ways of being church. And God's given us a vision in this church that together with others, and there are lots of churches around, the Lord's people, to give everyone in our area an opportunity a meaningful opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus so they could respond to it over the next 10 years. Why 10 years? Well, 10 years' time, 2033, will be the 2,000th anniversary of the resurrection by our calendar. By our calendar, Jesus was born when BC became AD. There was no year zero. It went minus one to plus one, but that was by our calendar. He started his ministry when he was 30, he was crucified and rose again three years later, 33. So by our calendar, even if the historians tell us the calendar's a little bit out, but by our calendar, 2033 is the 2000th anniversary of the resurrection. And all around the world, there's a movement to see, can we not communicate the good news of Jesus to everybody over these next 10 years? So that's our vision here. Uh, together with churches in this area, and we're making partnerships with churches in the area to see how we can do this but we'll never do it in our own strength. It will only be by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. When you're filled with God's Holy Spirit and his love, you find yourself in conversations with people talking about your faith in ways you never do when you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. So we need to be, let me just give an, an illustration of this. Uh, suppose you are half full of Holy Spirit, a bit like this glass is half full of water. When life jiggles you around and stuff's difficult, not much comes out, an occasional bit, most of it stays there. If you are full to overflowing, when life is busy, stuff comes out of you, the knocks of life. And when we're full of the Holy Spirit, day after day, people notice because what's in you comes out. When you've, when you've, you've got pretty, you know, when you're losing it, uh, in your faith and you're not topped up, not much comes out and people don't notice. And so as a church, our prayer is that as we approach Pentecost, God will fill us afresh with his Holy Spirit and release a whole new wave of creative ways of telling people about the good news of Jesus. Evangelism is the word uh, that sums that up. But on our own, uh, at work, at home, lovely to hear, 
again, people up here talking about folks who had led them to faith, different people who had made a difference in their lives, people who had prayed or nagged or invited or whatever, there are various ways to do it. Uh, it may be that you have a particular part of our town or aspect of a network, a neighborhood on your heart. Please come and talk to me because someone else might tell me the same thing. We can link you together to start working it, reaching out. But that's what we're going to pray now. I think I've preached long enough and there's some good refreshments coming. I thought Andy was about to lead us into refreshments uh, about half an hour ago after the baptisms. Well, we've got refreshments, he said. And I thought, well, I've got a sermon to preach. But <laughs> no, we've done. anyway, that's enough. Um, but if the band would come back, actually, and the choir, I think we've got the gospel choir is singing to finish. Are we not, Eleanor? Um, and the gospel choir is going to lead us in the song, I Speak the Name of Jesus. That is what we want. We want to be filled with his Holy Spirit so we naturally tell others about Jesus. Uh, and before we sing, I'm going to lead in a prayer. The way we like to do it in this church is to stand, and I'll invite you to stand in a minute, and pray that God would come by his spirit, and then just be still. And you may have questions you want to ask God in your mind. Is this true? Lord, I want to know. Maybe some of you have been invited on our Alpha course we heard earlier. It's been so helpful to all four who were baptized or renewed their vows this evening. We've got another one that we're starting in the autumn. You might want to think, tell me, I want to know about that. Or it may be there are other questions. God, if it's true that you love me and you notice me, and what I've done can be forgiven. I want to know. Uh, many of you are Christians and you know that. You just want to pray to be filled again. So would you stand? Let me lead in prayer. And we'll be still for a minute and then we'll sing. So Lord Jesus, how we praise you that you left the glory of heaven. You came to be born as a baby. You grow up as a boy and a man. You know what it is to be human. You know what it is to be like us. But we praise you that you never sinned. And that on the cross you took our sin and the sin of the whole world so we can be forgiven and washed clean. We praise you that you rose again. That you ascended to the right hand of the Father. That you are praying for us now and pouring out your Spirit. And that one day you will return and all will be restored. We look forward to that great day. But until then, we pray, pour out your Holy Spirit afresh on your church throughout the world, and especially here tonight on us. So come, Holy Spirit, and minister to us as a church and to each individual. Let's just be still and allow God to minister to us deep down. some Lord who hear the condemnation of the evil one that what they've done is too bad we nail that lie that you have paid the price for all our sin help them to know that you've paid the price and there is forgiveness for those who don't know your love come by your spirit and minister the love of the father who loves us more than any parent for those of us who do know those things, come and fill us afresh with power to witness to you. 
just naturally. May we find ourselves in conversations about you, even if we don't know how that happened. And we pray that you would pour your spirit on this church and on us and on the Christians in this area, that over the next 10 years, everyone in this area may have a chance to hear and respond to the good news of Jesus. We can't do that ourselves, but we can by your spirit. So come, Holy Spirit, minister to us. And as we sing now, we pray you continue to minister us and fill us with your love, such that these aren't just words we sing on a Sunday in church, but this is something that happens in daily life. And we pray it all in your great name. Amen.